Good things happen when we get together. Every time. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. You're supposed to agree with positive statements like that. And because they're true. And really, I'm not so much seeking that you agree with me, but agree with Him. Agree with the Word of the Lord. Agree with what He's saying. Always be active and, and uh, expressive in agreeing with God. Amen. Have you ever, you ever gotten an argument with your TV? Uh, or someone on it, you know, and they said something. You said, that's stupid. I don't agree with that or, or whatever, you know. I mean, people do that. They get vocal and they, and that's a good thing, depending on who's in the room. What do I mean? To outwardly, to expressively disagree with things that are wrong. I'm not saying necessarily you do that to everyone's face. But likewise, it is also true. You might be reading the Word. You might be uh, hearing a message in church. You might, you know, some context where, where truth is, is proclaimed, is made known. Agree with it outwardly, expressively. Commit to it by saying it openly. Amen. I've found different things will happen in my life when I'll have a... You know, I'll take a stand on God's written word or I'll have something in me. But it seems like when I tell someone else, this is what's going to happen. It's like I just committed myself to it. And it seems to really help. It seems to really help because I've just laid it out there. That was Peter getting out of the boat. huh? It was, it was, it's one thing just to think it, to process it, to inwardly agree. It's another thing to say, yes, that's for me. Yes, this is what this is what's going to happen. Yes, this is what is true. This is what will be. Huh? You do your relationship uh, with God a, a great deal of help when you tell someone else about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, even from the early days when you get saved, you tell someone else what you did. Say, I gave my life to the Lord. I belong to Him now. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. You just helped your relationship with God. There was probably a, 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 a sudden um, manifestation of His grace in you when you said it. It's like, ooh, that's good. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Now, something's on my heart, uh, so I'm just going to talk a little bit. Uh, if you're new to a believer's meeting, we just kind of, uh, the way we conduct these, we just, our goal is just to listen to the Holy Spirit and say what he says and follow his leadings, okay? We don't come in, uh, I have no notes, you know, I have no uh, scriptures even written down, nothing. Just, uh, we just come in to listen and flow. And so we worship oftentimes, sometimes usually with music, sometimes without, and, and, and until we have direction to do something else. And if there's nothing else, I mean, no, that's good. I mean, that's okay just to worship. If all we did is came, came together and worshiped God all night, that would be uh, very helpful <laughs> to a lot of people, to me too. Amen. Just a real, real big help to our relationship with God. Now, some of you are aware of verses like this. Uh, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the, the world. All right. What's that? What's that verse uh, revealing to us? Well, pretty simple. That God, great, the greater one in us, is God, the Spirit of God. He is greater than the spirit of the world, or we could just say the devil. 
Okay? The greater one is in us, but greater is he who lives in us, who is in us, than, than, than the one who's in the world. That's a good revelation to have. All right? But it also does tell us and, and let us know that there is one in the world that's against us, that would oppose us. Good news, we have a greater one in us than him. And it's not just a little bit greater, way greater. It's not just like three and four. <laughs> it's like three and infinity. You know, uh, so, so, so not just a little bit better or a little bit greater, but way better, way greater. But it does tell us that there is one in the world. He's vying for your attention. He's vying for your submission. He's uh, vying for your belief, huh? for your following. And, and some of the ways that this works is this. When, let me say it this way. Even though the Spirit of God, who is for me and not against me, who loves me unconditionally, who gave His life for me, even though He's the one that's greater and He is in me, I still have the opportunity, the possibility of doing things with and the ways of the one who is in the world. Okay, let's say it this way. Let's put it this way. Here is the greater one. Here is God Almighty. Oh, He's so wonderful. And He's, he's in me. If I am living my life like this, looking at Him looking to Him, relying on Him, following Him, right? Good news. That the dude over there, not a chance in hell. Right? Can I say that? <laughs> not a chance to, to, to get me at all. But even though, watch, God is for me, you know, if God be for another scripture, if God be for us, who can be against us? It's like, that dude doesn't even matter. It's like, who are you? Right? So, even though God is greater and God is for me and God is in me and all this stuff, if I live my life like this, then the greater one is not really given place in me to cause me to overcome and live above, and live in victory, right? If I am going to take advantage of the greater strength, the greater wisdom, the greater love, the greater everything that God is, I have to live like this. Everybody with me? In other words, I need to conduct myself where I am living and doing things God's way, in order to take full advantage of his greatness, his power, and so forth. I can't live my life doing things the devil's way and at the same time take advantage of the greater one. Everybody with me today? Okay. I've got to have my mind stayed on him to take advantage of his greatness. If my mind is stayed on the things of this world or the evil one, then no matter how strong God is, no matter how great He is, how much He loves me, 
I've got my back to him. I remember uh, reading some time back uh, a testimony of a particular individual who had an, an experience where they were being tempted, and it was uh, it was a little bit more unusual than your average temptation, because it was a it was a spiritual manifestation of the devil talking to this individual. So it was very direct and very in your face. He was trying to get this individual to follow him and serve him with promise of great uh, fame and wealth and so forth. And if and if uh, and if he would serve the devil, uh, then he would get all these things. Sounds like we've heard that somewhere before. Uh, it's like, don't you have anything new? <laughs> well, the problem is that one works, unfortunately, with a lot of folks. But in the in the midst of this very dramatic and visual temptation, this person uh, looked at this and looked at what was offered and this this uh, demonic presence, the devil, manifest before him and he looked and he said, he said no. He said no thanks or whatever his words were. He said no and he turned his back on him and he turned away from him. And as soon as he did, he turned this way and Jesus was standing right there. And I thought, phew. That is so God. I mean, the temptation was kind of like high level, (laughs) if you will, different than normal, a great manifestation. And when he looked it right in the face and said, absolutely not, he turned and the Lord was there matching the the, the experience, but with greater glory and gave him, you know, uh, he he was rewarded greatly for it in the rest of this story. But he turned away from the wrong, from the one in the world, and turned the other way, and there's God. I really believe it's still that way, whether we have a visual, an open vision, what it would be called, discerning of spirits, or whether we don't, okay? There is still a turning from one to the other. And for me to take advantage of the greater one in me, there are decisions that I make where I say, no, yes, not no, nothing. Not, uh, not trying not to look. Not, but no, and then turn to the Lord. How many know salvation is that way? Yes. Salvation is not, I'm going to try my best to stop doing these things. I'm going to clean up my life and get my act together. No, salvation is saying, I'm done with this life. I'm done with the way I used to be. I'm no longer going to serve the flesh and the world and the devil. Whatever. I'm no longer going to live for myself. My way doesn't work. I can't save myself. However, what I am going to do is I'm going to turn my life over to the Lord. And when we do, that there is built into that a turning away from the things of the world. Okay? Now, now look in your Bible with me to First uh, Peter. First Peter, if you find uh, Hebrews, keep going. First Peter chapter something, chapter 5. If you find First John, you went too far, back up. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, 5, 8. It reads, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, who? The devil, 
walks about like a roaring lion. Now, notice he walks about like a roaring lion. Why is he doing it like a roaring lion? Because he isn't one. He's not near, near that fierce and as intimidating and as powerful and as capable of, her, of harm. So he acts like one. Kind of like my dog. Chihuahua. He walks about like a roaring lion. <laughs> he chases down large dogs. Doesn't always turn out well. Some of you may remember my testimony. <laughs> but usually it does. Usually they run from him. Uh, well, what does the devil do? He walks about like a roaring lion. What, what, what would, what's the reason for that? Well, fear. I mean, if a roaring lion came walking in here, I mean, we'd be jumping over chairs, <laughs> right? Except for you strong in faith, you would rebuke it and bind it and, and go, go, go ride it or something and pet it. <laughs> But, you know, the natural response to a roaring lion is like, yeah, you know, what is the, what is the devil doing? He does try to operate uh, as someone who has more power than he really does. A lot of people have great respect for the devil. Why? Because they think he's as strong as a roaring lion. They've heard the roar. But I'll tell you, there's nothing, there's no, there's, there's more bark than bite. There really is. But if he can get a person in fear, then it's a whole new game. But if we refuse to fear and we say, what in the world is that? Man, my God is greater. He is stronger. and He lives in me. Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Aren't you glad for the word may? Yeah, because how many know he cannot devour anyone and everyone at will? The, the, the devil doesn't have that much power. He, he can't just run and come in and wreak havoc in someone's life and mess them up. Why? He can't. He doesn't have the right to. He doesn't have the authority to. So he tries to intimidate, to bring people into fear. He's looking for an inroad, looking for an opportunity, looking for an open space where he can go through and devour. That's the way he operates in the earth. This is that little dude that's behind us. Right? This is that little dude buying for our attention. He wants us to turn away from the ways of God, how God thinks, how God con- conducts himself, how the kingdom of God operates. He wants us to turn and look and be impressed because he's looking for an opportunity to devour. You realize Jesus said about uh, him that he is called a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's what the enemy's looking to do. If you ever you ever tempted to look his way, know what he, know what the end of the game is. All right, you're ripped off, you're destroyed, right? You're dead. <laughs> Stealing, killing, destroying—that's the end game. But he's looking for an opportunity. If he could come in here and just take us all out, he would in a second, just like that. This is very nature. You, you, you think about the most evil people we know in history, whether you're talking about your Hitlers or uh, Saddam Hussein or present uh, folks that are cutting heads off over there in Iraq and Syria, right? This ISIS group, okay? Evil from the word go, how they would, the things they're doing to people. Horrible. You know what the author of that is? That's the devil, don't, don't ever feel, feel bad for him and say, can the devil be forgiven? 
If you knew him, you wouldn't think that way. If you saw, I mean, that, you're, that's a good day for you when you're feeling merciful towards the devil. How much harm? Oh, there, I mean, it's, it's evil personified, evil beyond imagination. The very worst thing that you have, could ever imagine a human being doing to another person, it was inspired by that turkey. He was the one motivating it and spurring it on. Okay? But he's looking for someone to devour. But again, he can't do it for everyone, so he's looking for an open door. All right? What would potentially open that kind of door? What would, what would qualify me as a person that he may devour? Well, certainly, stay with the, the, the visual here. A lot of it begins with me turning. I'm no longer looking at God. I'm no longer listening to His voice, following His ways, thinking like Him. But I've, my attention has been shifted. And I'm turning and looking this way. Now I've got my back to God's ability, His healing, His victory, His power, His safety, all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the main things the enemy is trying to do is distract and get our focus on him. Or we could just say the flesh, the ways of the world, the things that are contrary to the love of God. And when I start going that direction, now I'm open to the potential, the possibility of being devoured in some area of my life. Often it's not all at once. Often it's little by little. But the enemy is looking for people to make the shift and look the, wrong, look the other way. Okay? So you think about how this happens. There are things every day that are in our culture, that are in our world. They're coming out the TV. They're coming through other people. They're coming through the uh, person in the next car on the road. Uh, you know, a lot of things happening. What are they designed to do? To get you to look away. Get you to look away from the Lord. Why? You do that, you'll stop doing things His way. You'll stop thinking like God. You'll stop acting like Him. You'll stop taking advantage of His great and mighty power. Okay? Another word to say it. His greatness. Listen, if you and I stare at and focus on the greatness of God and His way of doing things continually, we are totally unstoppable. There is absolutely nothing that can slow us down or knock us down or, or, or get us to fail. Amen. And so, it's, it's a work. So we, can, we, we turn. And whether you, sometimes that's sin. Of course, it's sinfulness. The Lord will give us, at times when we need it, warning of things to come. Bible examples, example says that Noah was divinely warned of things to come. He gives us warning of things to come. Well, how many know if we don't heed that warning, if we're not listening and paying attention to Him, that's His grace saving us. If we don't pay attention to that, what do we do? We're in essence going the other way, and then there's an opportunity for destruction to come to our life. I'm not talking about hell, but I'm talking about maybe heaven early. <laughs> Or just a little hell on earth. All right, that's no fun. Anybody ever had any hell on earth? All right. No fun at all. It wasn't God's plan either, by the way. He's not, he's not giving you hell on earth. We've got scriptures that say he wants us to have heaven on earth. He even told Israel that. Okay. And so, 
the enemy is out to destroy that way. We have the greater one, and if we'll look the right way, there is absolutely no competition here. Absolutely no battle, no struggle, no fight. But if we'll look away, then we're, in that one sense, not maybe not intentionally, but we're denying the Lord's help. Why don't the Lord... Watch. Why don't the Lord help me? Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me that the Lord will help me, that the Lord will heal me, that the Lord will provide for me, that the Lord will lift me up. How many know how silly that looks now? Amen. I mean, what, what, what do we pray? Lord, bless them as they turn their back on you. Bless them as they think like the world and talk like the world and, 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 and operate with the priorities of this world system and, and their focus is all on selfish gain and, all, and their focus is everything earthly. But Lord, just help them. Just bless them. I think a better prayer was, Lord, open their eyes. Show them what they're doing. Lord, may there come a turning. You know what a turning really is in Scripture that, that's really, that really is the word for repentance. Repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior, okay? But it, it has to do with a 180, going one direction, and I turn and I go the other direction. Amen. Um, let's look at another place. Let me think of where, we, where it should be. I got two things in mind. Uh, David, first Sam, no, second Samuel. So go way left until you find Sam. Second Samuel and chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11. In verse 2, verse 2, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned uh, to her house. And uh, then after that, we find out she conceived. You'll understand lay with her means they weren't just cuddling. Uh, Went a little bit further than that. And she got pregnant. And, and, and most people know this story. This is a very low point in a very, I mean, a very great person, a very honorable person through most of his life. But this was, this was definitely a, a stain on his record. Okay? What did he do? He's up on the house one day and he didn't, you know, he sees, didn't, no implication that. He was going out there looking for that per se, but he saw the naked lady 
And there's something about guys that, you know, that's all it takes, right? And uh, he, But instead of just turning back and turning away, what did he do? He followed through on it. He acted, he acted on it and, uh, and ended up doing some bad stuff. Then he tried to, if you keep reading this story, he first he tried to cover it up. Why? He, how he brought her husband, Uriah, back from the battle. And he wanted him to go and be with his wife. Probably so he would think, hey, we, we, we're having a baby. And, uh, and her husband was more honorable. He wouldn't even go in with his wife because the rest of the soldiers were out on the battlefield. He thought that wouldn't be right. And he was showing great honor. And so he didn't go. And, uh, and so David eventually set things up in the, in the battle for Uriah to be killed. So he would fall in the battle, and he did. And then David took Bathsheba as a wife and, uh, and so forth and so on. So this is a situation that obviously is wrong, it's bad, and it's uh, David, you know, I don't think that was his heart to be a bad person. But I oftentimes, when I look at these stories, I think, how could he avoid, have avoided this? How could this have been avoided? And, and someone, sometimes we think, well, when he got up at night and went on the roof and he saw that, he should have just immediately turned away and done something else. Certainly that would have helped. But one of the things that kind of stands out to me in this story is the verse we didn't read. That's verse 1. And it reads here, uh, It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, and, but David remained at Jerusalem. This is very interesting. What was happening here? This was a season when, as it says, the kings go out to battle. What is David? King. But what did he do? He stayed home and sent his armies out without him. How many know if he would have gone out to, to battle with his armies, which was the norm, which was the standard practice, uh, he never would have been on the roof that night. Never would have saw Bathsheba that night. Never would have brought her into his own bed that night. Never would have uh, fathered a child that later died. He, there's a whole lot of things that wouldn't happen, wouldn't have happened, if David would have been where he should have been. And what I see in this is that sometimes we get into a situation where we are overcome with a temptation or trial or test, and the origin of it isn't necessarily when we were on the roof, but the origin was before that. In other words, we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. We should have been over here. But instead, we were over here. In other words, we weren't following the Lord's leading. We weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing, but we decided to do something else. Sometimes it's hard to identify why everything happens. Have you ever had that 
situation, maybe in your own life or maybe someone else's life, and sometimes, often people battle with why. Man, why did this happen? I don't get that. that how, where did this come from? It seemed to kind of blindside us. And, uh, and situations happen that we don't know and can't necessarily figure out why it happened. But I think sometimes in those situations, especially whether we're self-analyzing and looking you know, at our own situation or someone else, why are they hit so much? Why are they attacked like this? You know, I'm not being attacked like this. Why is this person having to deal with it? You're trying to walk with them. Sometimes you don't know that they were cruising along and one day they decided to do this. I don't mean that in, in an instant things, usually not. I mean, probably many of us have done this a whole lot of times. You know, we've been distracted and we looked at things wrong and we turned away from the Lord, but then we snapped back and we continued walking with Him. But you often do not realize uh, when someone's going through something that they made a decision to walk the wrong way. I don't mean it's too late. I don't mean they can't recover. I don't mean the Lord isn't merciful and kind and is not looking for an opportunity to bring them back. But I tell you, there is a real enemy. He's weak, but he still, he still exists, and he's seeking whom he may devour. And so there's going to be some attention. There's going to be some noise. There's going to be some things, some things that distract and try to get us to look the wrong way. And if we start going the wrong way long enough, we're going to miss what the Lord is saying and doing and find ourselves in a tough situation. David did it. He should have been one place, but he was somewhere else. All right? What should be our focus? I think these things are increasing in these last days. I said this last week. It kind of ties in a little bit that we need to be in the right place at the right time. We have God-designed assignments positioning. And if we'll hear him, we'll follow him, he'll order our steps, he'll direct us to the right place and keep us in a in the right place. And what happens in the middle of that? Well, Bathsheba never comes up. What? There's a lady named Bathsheba? Wouldn't it have been nice if David didn't even know? Unfortunately, he did know. There are some situations sure would be nice if we didn't even know about them. Amen. Look at uh, look at Proverbs chapter six. Here's another way we can say some of this. God's ways are the ways of wisdom. The devil's ways are the ways of foolishness. The Lord's never going to lead you to, to be foolish in your decision making. He's not going to lead you to, to be. He'll lead you in, in accordance with with wisdom. Whatever He says to you, it's it's wise. If I'm continually looking to Him and looking at Him and following His ways, that is the way the way of wisdom. You know, the the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. All right, it's just smart ways of doing things, ways that lead to prosperity and success. And then ways that lead to failure and demise. Ways that'll, that'll help you. Other ways that'll hurt you. Okay? It's not necessarily a 
a thus says the Lord book as far as specific direction for an individual's life. Marry this person, live in this house, work at this job. You know, it's more step back from thus saith the Lord. It's the wisdom of God that we apply to our specific situations. In this sixth chapter of Proverbs, one of the things uh, uh, that the father is warning, not the father, this is... uh, Solomon writing to his son, warning him about, saying this is how stuff works. It has to do with, with temptation and this, uh, this, uh, this woman who's trying to lead, lead him astray. Uh, let, me, let me find out where to start here. Um, uh, okay, that's, well... 22, no, 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman. Okay, so then he's going to talk about the evil woman. Now, I understand that if we flip this and it was written from the other perspective, there could be an evil man too. All right, so this is, uh, ladies don't. Mark yourself out of this and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. He's talking about the guys. <laughs> or, now no, we're not necessarily calling you evil. <laughs> okay, it could be an evil dude. From the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Did they have fake eyelashes back then? For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. Think about that. That's kind of a strong statement. (laughs) By the means of a harlot, a man is reduced to what? A crust of bread. That's not real impressive. I'm not quite sure what that is. Not real impressive. I don't want to be a crust of bread. (laughs) But basically nothing. You know, it's the part that the kids cut off and throw away. Which is totally ridiculous. The best part of the bread. Anyway. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Okay, you can see that's demonic right there. She'll prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire into into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? What's the answer to that? No. No. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all all the substance of his house. But whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. All right? He he who does so destroys his own soul. So you can see this is the wisdom of God kind of taking the cover off of, maybe that's not the best illustration here, but uh, taking the cover off of temptation and sin. Because there's a... There's a deception that goes along with it where a person thinks, hey, this is going to be 
this is actually not going to be so bad and maybe even good. Maybe I'll be happy I went this way, happy I did these things. Maybe maybe this would be okay for a little while. Maybe this would be all right to go this way. Maybe it's not going to be a problem at all. In fact, I still have the Lord in my heart. It's not like, I, it's not like I've really turned my back on Him and He's still with me and this doesn't look so bad. It's not like I'm going to do what some people do. Huh? I mean, you know, justification goes to work. It's how temptation works in people. It deceives them. And, Sol- and Solomon here is basically pulling the cover off of this thing. Said, this is what it really does. It'll turn you into, into, you into the bread crust. This is what it really does. It's going to destroy your soul. It's going to wreck your life. It's going to ruin things for you. You know what David's most miserable times in his life? was right after he fell into that. Oh, yeah, he was hating life. Oh, it was, it, it was far worse than that one night was good. Hmm. That's, I mean, no, that's how, that's how sin operates. Because Hebrews calls it uh, temporary pleasure. It's, it's pleasurable for a, a season, and then it gets you. Then it turns around and gets you. All right. Uh, he lacks understanding. Verse 33, wounds and dishonor he will get. Look at that. Wounds and dishonor. Anyone want some wounds and dishonor? And his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a, is a husband's fury. So this is re- revealing now how the dude's going to act. Re- jealousy is a husband's fury. There, this is, I mean, the dude, the other dude. The woman's wife. You get that. Husband. I'm just upgrading to modern times. No, I'm not. It was an oops. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. This is a real tough situation when you talk about this particular turning away from God uh, for a temporary, okay, for a temporary deal. It's a real tough deal. And he's, he's showing the emotional response and the, 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 the rage that will be there and the destruction and the harm and the pain, the destruction of the soul and, and all these kind of things. And, you know, I've, I've uh, over the years dealt with a number of situations like these up front and personal. I mean, where people have come to me on, on different sides of this situation, uh, sometimes the, the offender, sometimes the offended one, and I tell you, huh, they are all hating life. I found no one who says, you know, I'm not really sad that I did that. <laughs> I mean, it hurts them so bad. I've seen... Uh, and had sit before me guys who were, you know, built. I mean, kind of looked like the man's man. I mean, definitely one, you know, not, you know, a tough person, strong, physically impressive, and shake like a leaf in front of me as they are just so destroyed by this. Just shake and, and tremble just destroyed by this. And I don't think that was the thought, though, when this happened. 
Never, never thought that that would possibly come, come about. But let's realize who we're dealing with. All right? He's the devourer. He's wimpy. He's the, he's the lesser one. But if we go that direction, there's definitely a devouring that takes place. Okay? Now, I say these things uh, not to... I don't really like a heavy service. We're like, oh, man, that's serious. Uh, because, I listen, but I, I want to deal with real life, too. And I'm doing this because I... I believe it's of God for, for right now for me to say these things. You know, this is different than most Wednesdays. I'd rather talk about the glory cloud, <laughs> personally. <laughs> but the Lord wants to help people. He's not, to, he's not there to condemn. Even, watch, even after the fact. And if that's the situation, no one's going to expose anyone here tonight. If that's the situation with you, you have any kind of failures or things like that in the past, no one's here to shine a light on you or embarrassed by any means. But I will tell you this, David went on to serve God. David went on to do great things for God. He had this time in his life and he blew it. And you know what? He rebounded. And God, he's, he's listed as an example, Hebrews 11, as a person of faith that we should follow. Not that moment, but how many know the majority of his life. All right, and he was able to rebound. He was able to uh, be stated. It was stated of of him by God that he is a man after God's own heart. All right, and there is most certainly the possibility for those, whether it's a adulterous situation or other failures, other times when people have turned their their back on the Lord and they've gone the wrong way. God is able to restore. He's able, to, and, and that's who he is. He's a restorer. He's a forgiver. He wants to turn things around. And, and I know, I know there are many people that have done things. They've fallen into stuff. And they're really, you know, I wouldn't define them as being bad people. I wouldn't define them as being pure evil by any means or just all bad. They're still in the, they're still in the middle of it, you know, have a heart for God. They want to do right, but they blew it. And sometimes, you know what condemnation does? Often it pushes people away. And they run from because they feel so unworthy. They feel so guilty. And I tell you, that's where the Lord specializes. He turns things around. And He wants to lift people back up, set them on solid ground. Amen. And He wants to do that for all of us. You know, best case scenario, you never fall into that. You don't know who Bathsheba is. You know, but if you do, the Lord still wants to use you. Huh? There needs to be some healing. There needs to be some strengthening, some forgiving, some, some things that take place. But I tell you, the Lord's not finished with you yet. The Lord will turn things around. And, and if you'll look to Him, amen, and worship Him and turn your eyes, put your eyes back on Him. See, what, what needs to happen? Well, this is, this is called repentance. You know, what is it? It's turning around again. And I'm just going to, I'm going to start looking to the Lord. I'm going to start looking at Him. I'm going to start following His ways. I'm going to start doing things God's way. And there is life in Him. And the greater one is there. Praise God.